Don't we have great people in our presence? Look at that. So anyways, we're going to close out. This is the last time. We're going to talk about prayer today. I'm going to try to squeeze in both last lessons there today, see if we can make that happen. Luke chapter 11, right? This is our foundational passage for the last four weeks. And it's, top, it's once again about prayer. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, um, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And as we've been looking at prayer, we've got to understand there was something about Jesus, right? When people looked at them, looked at him, they said, wow, I want to have his prayer life. And what would that mean? I, what, what, what type of person could that be where you would look at them and say, man, I would want their prayer life? Would it be their confidence? It would be maybe their touch. Remember, when Jesus touched people, miracles happened. Would it be the love? Because when, when you hear how the apostles describe Jesus, he was relentless in his love. And as we look at our prayer life, one of the things that we talked about is, hey, when you start to pray, really aspire to be like Jesus. Have his heart. Get your mind, heart, character in line with God. And Jesus tells them this. He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. So Jesus says, here, let me kind of tell you how to pray. Let's, first, I'm going to teach you. So when we pray, we aspire to be like Jesus in our prayer, to pray like him. Secondly, he says, make the prayers personal. That's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. How do you just make it personal? Hallowed be your name. Can you delight in God when you pray? Make it personal. Talk about your sins. Get deep. Get dirty. But most of all, get delighted with God. We talked about that last week. Now today, it's interesting because there's some pretty intense prayers here. Since he says, your kingdom come. It says, when you pray, I want you to envision and keep asking for God's kingdom to come. Now remember who he's talking to. At this point, Jesus, when he first came to earth, he was reaching out to the Jews, the Jews only. They were a captive nation. They were a group of people that in their minds and their hearts, they believed that they once were at the top of the world. Kind of the... The, the king of kings, they were the best place ever to be. And then when they turned away from God, they fell hard. They fell hard, they were captive, and they had these dreams that one day they'd be great again. And Jesus says, when you pray, every time you pray, have those big dreams. When you pray, think bold, think powerful, think about the greatness of God's kingdom. Amen. In verse 5, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Now you got to understand, midnight's late. Now, we think midnight's late for us, right? But remember, midnight, midnight's late for them. They... 
They didn't have like street lights. When the sun set, the day was over. Back in Jewish culture, the moment that the sun set, the, that was tomorrow. Like, so, like, in our minds, we think, hey, um, Monday comes at midnight. No, for them, Monday would come for, for them like at 5 p.m. Because the sun sets earlier now, right? For them, once the sun was set, it was the new day. So midnight is late. He says, suppose you have a friend... And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. You know, that friend's not going to consider you a friend when you're knocking on their door at midnight. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. You see, not a friend anymore. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. Don't you hate that? You know, you're disrupting my family. How many of you had those kids that was hard to get to bed? Right? Some of you had kids that just put themselves to sleep. My oldest, man, you know, she just would go, oh, I'm going to go to bed now and just walk herself to bed. 7.30 at night, 8 o'clock, I'm just going to get ready. Do, 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 do. My youngest, we have to really encourage him. <laughs> so it takes a lot of work. My kids are in bed. You're irritating me. Says I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. How does that, how do you think about that as a prayer life? Because Jesus is talking about prayer here, right? And so I, you know, growing up when people would pray, and I, I feel this sometimes, you know, when I, when I pray, I feel like I have to just kind of put my head down and make sure I'm mumbling, or it's like a holy moment, right? And when, when I was in school, I, I took my, uh, my son up to see where I went to school. They had this chapel, Memorial Auditorium, and you go in, and it's, you know, I didn't grow up like Catholic, so, you know, the, the church there had stained glass windows, and it's huge, and it's quiet, and, you know, okay, that's how I need to pray. But Jesus says, no, when you pray, have shameless audacity. Shameless. Audacity means to be bold, to be outrageous, to be almost rude. To just be desperate and demanding. The type of person that you don't really want to serve. The person who gets on your nerves. Don't you hate pushy people? Yes. Right? I love being in California, right? But I, I visited my, my niece. She goes to school in uh, New York. So we had to visit for her graduation. We went over there. We're in New York. And it's a different place. You guys remember Will and Rose Ashley, right? They came to California. They're so happy. Like, oh, this is Club Med. You know, life's easy in California. I'm like, oh, well, no. California is like L.A., man. This is L.A. We're the big city. You know, I came from Hawaii. L.A. is the big city. No, you... You go from New York to L.A., I'm telling you, L.A. must feel like a sleepy little town. Because in New York, people are pushy. You know, you can't walk without someone bumping into you. It's a fight to go anywhere. And God says, hey, those are the prayers I'm looking for. New York kind of prayers. Pushy, rude, get in your face, knock at midnight. 
disturb my kids kind of prayer. Isn't that interesting? So I just want us to understand. Today we're going to talk about bold prayers, persistent prayers. And we're going to look at it just a little bit. And we've talked some of it will overlap some of our lessons. But let's just kind of, I just need you to get into that zone. That's kind of how those that prayers that God really works with feel like that. Isn't that intense? God actually applauds your shameless audacity when you pray. Now, we'd probably be a lot nicer to other people if we get all our shameless audacity out in prayer. Yeah, some of us are a little too rude, we're too edgy, we're a little too more New York, you know, in daily life, because we just haven't gotten it uh, out with God. But God's saying, hey, I want this from you. I want to hear it raw, close, personal, bold, big, 3D. What are some of the levels? Well, we'll cover these, but let me just give an overview. It's right here in Luke chapter 11. It just says, one, you pray personally, right? Daily bread, our sins, forgiveness. We talked about before, but I need you to understand God cares about your desires and needs. A lot of times in life, we haven't gotten what we wanted, when we wanted it, and things like that. And we stop believing that, wow, God cares about my desires and needs. Let's take a look. It says here in verse 11, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, through God's Holy Spirit, you can do a lot. And a lot can happen for you. And God's just saying, hey, guess what? Let's make it personal. Ask me. What do you want? Who do you want to be? You know, that's when I say, hey, when you ask for the Holy Spirit, that, that's the cool thing. A lot of times we just want fish, don't we? You know, they always say, right, what's the saying? Give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, you feed him for their life, right? A lot of times we go, no, God, don't give me the Holy Spirit. Just give me what I want. And God says, no, pray for you to be who you've always wanted to be. Who you always wanted to be. Don't you want to be a confident, free, trusting individual? Don't you want to be able to have that healing in your marriage, that joy in your parenting, that confidence at your work? God says, hey, you could be whomever you want to be by my spirit. So make it personal. Pray personally. God could do incredible things. But you know what's interesting? Look at Luke 11. And if you look at verse 3, it's interesting. He actually says, give us each day our daily bread. He doesn't say, when you pray, pray, give me my daily bread. It says, us. Forgive us our sins. Did you know we need to pray for each other? Amen. We're going to talk about that more in a second. But we've got to pray for each other. And lastly, he says, your kingdom come, so we're going to pray with a purpose. Shameless audacity doesn't come when you're just praying for yourself. Did you know that? Sometimes we feel just uncomfortable talking about ourselves. Have you ever complimented someone and they just kind of made you talk to the hand? Hey, you know what? I really think you did something awesome. Oh, no, no, no. 
How about the slap in the face that sounds spiritual? It's not me, it's God. Now, it doesn't sound spiritual, but it can kind of be like a slap in the face. Like, first off, yes, I do know that God created you and God worked through you. Okay. But can you just take the compliment? Can you just say thank you? I re- that really means a lot to me. Sometimes when people compliment you, you could just say, hey, thank you. That means a lot to me. And get vulnerable because I've been feeling insecure lately. So sometimes I'm just telling you how to take a compliment. But see, we get comf- uncomfortable asking for ourselves, taking for ourselves, making it about ourselves. So, so sometimes just praying about yourself, the, the prayers don't last that long. But we had to pray with a purpose. Your kingdom come. Even when that person knocked on the door, it wasn't on his behalf at midnight. It was for his friend coming over. And God just wants us to understand, yes, we pray for ourselves because God loves you and he wants to meet your needs. We just looked at that. Secondly, we do pray for each other. We're going to take a look at that in a second. But what makes us bold? This sense that through us, great things can happen. That you are a big player in God's plan. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Because things change when you think you're a big player. Did you know that? Things change when you think, wow, God has a plan for me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's bold. When someone hurts me, I pray that God punishes them severely. I don't pray for them. I pray on them. <laughs> you know, I just think, oh, punish, get them, God. Get, come on, come on. You know, and then David sometimes prays that. So it's not like illegal. It's not like illegal prayer. Like God's like, bad Dave, bad Dave. But you know, it, I, I don't know if I want to pray for them. But if you look at the scriptures, like in Matthew 18, God says, when someone sins against you, show them their fault. And then it, the intention is to win them over. God wants us to feel so powerful on this earth. That our prayers can literally transform the enemies in our life. Isn't that intense? That's bold. That's shameless audacity that you could actually take an enemy and transform their hearts and make them your friends simply by your prayer life. That's how strong you are. He says, your kingdom come. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, verse 31. Matthew 13, and verse 31. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. You know, the kingdom's a big deal. The kingdom is something that grows and becomes something incredible. You know, I, I'm aware, you know, just think, I'm, I'm not a blind person, okay? I'm not, I'm just, I just try not to be a negative one. 
right? So I forget which brother came, talked to me. He says, okay, so one day, last week, we took communion. We didn't even have enough supplies because there's so many people. This week, it's smaller. I bet you next week is going to be bigger. The next week, it'll be smaller. Next week, you know, we go, oh, we've gotten so small, small this, small that. I think we had the Spanish meeting here for a while just so we wouldn't feel so small. Okay, just to be honest with you. I don't care. Because, see, God takes small things and makes them great. It, you know, it, it doesn't matter what I see. It matters what I pray for. And I believe that the kingdom ought to be awesome. And I believe you are all citizens of God's kingdom. I believe you are royalty. And I know God's going to do great noble things through us. But it comes when we pray big prayers. It really does. The kingdom should be awesome. Our church is going to feel incredible. It is. It will. You go, when, when, when? It just will. You won't even know it. Six months from now, a year from now, you're going to look back and say, wow, things have changed. But they'll happen slowly. But they're not going to happen without big prayers. This bold sense that God's kingdom should be amazing. Do you believe that this church is going to be amazing? I know it already is, but just think how much bigger it can be. In verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. In verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Pray for the kingdom. The reason why that man knew that this treasure was awesome because it was on his heart. You've got to know, you've got to know treasure when you see it in order to take advantage of it. Yeah. One, one of my roles as a uh, minister is to see the goodness in people and go, that's a treasure, let me make something of it. Not just for my purposes, but for each other's purposes. To look at two people who are married and say, you guys are treasures. Now i got to help you see it. Come on, bro. Isn't that funny? Haven't you felt more liked by other people than your spouse, married people? Haven't you felt more valued than by your, your roommate for the singles? Haven't you ever felt more valued by people who don't know you so well than the people who do know you so well. Have you ever had a parent like that, that your mom or dad, all they could see is what you were doing wrong? You know, but when you're praying for the kingdom to be awesome, you see the awesomeness. You see the treasures when they come up and you jump on it. This is how the kingdom should feel. So I want you to be praying for the kingdom. Bold, great things. You go, what's the kingdom? The kingdom is, one second. <laughs> you see, this shows how short I am. I'm sure the taller brothers, they move and flail their hands all around, doesn't even touch this thing. But that's okay. Because I'm precious in God's sight. He just has to look harder to see me. <laughs> Marie? He stoops down to make me great. There you go. It comes from Lexus, right? She, she just goes, I'm taller. I'm going to wear the tall shoes and smile with them. Anyways. I just want to experience the greatness. God's kingdom. What is the kingdom? You know, on earth, the kingdom is the church, just so you know. Well, the kingdom is bigger than just the church. Absolutely. 
But on earth, those who are the citizens of heaven on earth are part of God's kingdom. And where do we congregate? In the church. The church is the body of Jesus. And so we've just got to go. This is God just says, have bold prayers about the kingdom coming and being awesome. Go to Matthew 26. So I did the overview. Pray personally. Pray for, your, for, your, for each other and pray with a purpose. We're not going to cover those in order. We're going to cover them. We're just going to go through the scriptures. Does that make sense? And as we hit those points, we'll hit these thoughts. Turn to Matthew chapter 26. We're, we're jumping through Matthew right now. I need us to use our imagination when we pray. In Matthew chapter 26... Matthew 20, chapter 26 and verse 47. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived with him. Um, arrived with him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled? That say, that say it must happen in this way. See, Jesus was in touch with the reality of prayer. Think of armies upon armies. What movie have you ever watched? There's like um, Hacksaw Ridge that's out right now. If you want to see it's an inspiring movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to. But it, it's, about, uh, it's about World War II. But, you know, have you ever seen those? What if Saving Private Ryan, whichever one, you know, uh, 300. Is that that movie with the uh, Romans or whatever, the Greeks? You know, the Spartans? And, and you see the battalions upon battalions, the legions, and they have those grand battles. And Jesus said, this is just on earth. Like you just walk down the street. You know, your neighborhood, right? It doesn't feel that impressive. Right? The street you live on. Yeah, it's not that great. Just a few trees and a street and a house and everything looks so every day. But Jesus saw something different. He said, don't you know when I pray, these armies of angels, celestial beings, fierce, powerful, could just come at my call and deal with everything. Start thinking about it. You have that power too. Did you know that? You don't just have one little angel attending to you. I hope you don't think that. When you pray, God sends angels to work. When we pray together, if you read Matthew 18, if just two of us are on the same page asking for the same thing, amazing things can happen. Do you see that you command angels in your prayers. It's an intense thought, isn't it? Amen. Shameless audacity. Boldness. A battle is being fought 
that we need to be aware of. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. As you're turning to Luke chapter 22, keep this thought in mind. Jesus says, I could just wipe this out in a minute. I could take care of all of you, everything. You have no real power over me. But you know what? I'm choosing to go along with this because I care about the mission. My mind is on the kingdom coming. And I have to go through this so that the kingdom could come. You can have bold, powerful prayers. But do they have a purpose? If Jesus hadn't been praying for the kingdom to come all his time on earth, I don't think he would be prepared for that kind of intimidation. So sometimes we got to understand our prayer life is super important. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verse 39. It says, Then Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Yeah, I just want you to understand, this was real. The apostles saw this. When Jesus prayed, angels moved. And here, because Jesus was just surrendered to God and doing God's will, boom, an angel materialized. This power belongs to all of us. This power belongs to you. But do you work it out with God? There are some things that God wants us to go through and we've hardened our hearts towards God and our prayer lives have dropped. There are things that God wants us to go through and instead of going, you know what, I'm going to go through it with you, God, in the way you want me to, instead we take shortcuts. I'm going to do it my way so I don't even want to pray. Because it makes me feel bad. I'm gonna have. I want it when I want it, and so I'm not gonna pray because I'm mad that I don't have it. And just if you decided to have this heart like Jesus to work it out with Him and say Your will is gonna come first, an angel can come and help you through it. It's so important for us to have those bold prayers that just wrestle it out with God and believe no matter what, I'm in touch and in tune with God's larger purpose for my life. We'll close out in Luke chapter 11. So what's the practical? What am I supposed to do? I just want us to kind of, all I can try to give us at the beginning right here is a feeling. It's just a feeling about and just a sense that something greater and bigger is happening with us and through us. If we could just tap into that. But in Luke chapter 11, Jesus says, hey, let me just make it practical for you in verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. In your prayer life, guess what? It's not just your prayer life. We ask. We always think that's our prayer life. We just ask. What else does it say to do? Seek. Seek. And what else? Knock. 
If you want to kind of keep something in your mind to take away, I want you to do this. I want you to keep your mind on praying and pursuing. You've got to pray and pursue. Pray and pursue. Now, I'm going to ask you, how much do, you know, the Bible says, we, we, we didn't have enough time to look at James chapter 5.16, but the Bible says in James 5.16, confess your sins to one another and what? Pray for each other. It says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So I didn't get to hit as much as I wanted that we need to be praying boldly for each other. We really do. But even then, even when you're praying for someone else, you ask, you seek, and you knock. You pray, and then you pursue. What does it mean to pursue? You seek, and you take action. Do we pray? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. And singles, I need you to be patient with me on what I'm going to say. Okay? This ministry is based in what we call the gateway cities of the L.A. area. Do you guys know that? Okay, what are the gateway cities? Cerritos, you know, it goes all the way to Carson. If you look, you can look up online. There's a gateway city council with all the different cities here. Primarily, the people who live here are families. Okay? And so we're going we're gonna to learn over the next year or so how to be really great in our own marriages, in our own parenting, so we could be a great light and resource to everyone else in the community. Amen? Because this, this community is filled with a lot of families. Okay, if you want to see where are all the singles at, they're usually closer into like the city, city area. They're usually on the coast. Okay, that's where the percentages flip. If you go to Hermosa Beach, it's 75% single that live there. And it shows. That means you have to walk around like this. Anyways. Because they're singles acting single. You go, what about us singles? See, that's where, as families, we need to pray for each other. How much are you praying earnestly that the sisters and the brothers here who want to get married do? Yeah, some of you do. But by name, by person, and then you pursue. You seek and you knock. How many of us are super evangelistic with people who are single? At work. There are tons of single people at work. And you just looked at that person and you go, man, that, that guy right there would be great for sister so-and-so. That woman right there would be great for brother so-and-so. I'm going to invite them to church, help them become a Christian, so that we can marry off people and really just continue building a family ministry here. Amen? Amen. But it's all about our prayer life. We ask and then we pursue by seeking. You've got to look. When you pray, you got to look. you got to open up your eyes. That answer is there. You pray and you look. And then the opportunity just jumps at you and you knock. You go, I want a better job. You pray. And then you what? Look. You look at work where you can go the second mile and maybe get promoted. You look to see if there's friends or family that work in different fields that you could jump into. And then you listen. You don't just sit there and mope and be sad. You go, I'm looking. And then you knock. You do something. You go, oh, I want to have a better marriage. You pray and you look. You look for how beautiful your wife has gotten. You look for how humble your husband has become. 
and you knock and you go, wow, you are so beautiful. Wow, you are so, you've become so humble and strong and powerful. And just look at what opens up. You want your kids to do better. You pray. And you look. You look for what is good in them. You look for what resources are available. And then you knock. Is that clear? So I just want us to be those types of people. But we've got to start being bold. And then we persist. We don't just persist in knocking on that door. The scriptures say you also persist in seeking and knocking. Prayer isn't just about what we do with our words. It's about what we do with our eyes. It's what we do with our bodies. And watch what God can do. So when someone says, hey, you did a good job, don't just say, oh, it's all God. Because it's not just about you asking. It's about you seeking and knocking. And sometimes you could say, yes, I love doing that together with God. We did it together. You know, God and I, we worked on this together, and I'm so glad it blessed you. It's not just all God. Isn't that wild? Real faith is us and God together. I hope this helped you decide to go, wow, I'm going to go bold in my prayer life. I'm going to really invest in prayer for the next year. Because it's going to be an amazing, amazing 2017. And we're going to have a great time together.